Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I want to invite you to stay updated with me on social media and see what we are doing in the ministry. You can follow me on Facebook at John Wallace. You can follow me on Instagram at Jonathan R. Wallace. And you can follow our YouTube page at New Beginnings Huntington. I pray this message builds your faith and gives you revelation. Let's get ready for the Word of God. Hello. Dude, that is not... What is up? This is like stereo inception. There we go. go. Dude, Dude, this this is is crazy. So any of our listeners listening to this, I scheduled a show. Hold on, guys. We're, We're getting this... Situated yeah, there we here. Go. I scheduled a show, and that we're sitting there. I'm playing the guitar. We're there. All of a sudden, he's your phone is calling me on stage. I'm like, I don't even my phone on me. What do you mean? But, hey, what's so, going on? If you're if you're new to stereo, I can. Um, it kind of sounds like you're breaking in and out. Are you on the Wi-Fi? Oh, it's coming in and out. Let's see. Oh no, there, there it goes. Okay, so anybody new to stereo, if you set up a show, apparently it uh, it'll just like launch that bad boy, whether you know it or not. So don't set up a show. Leave your phone in your pocket, <laughs> and uh, you know, get into any mischief. All right, y'all. Here, Tanner, if we can, let's go ahead and share it to our social platforms. This will be converted to podcast form for me. I'm sure for Tanner as well. I don't know if you knew that, Tanner. Did you know you could do that? Uh, Did I know I could do what? Oh, yeah, that you can turn it into an actual podcast. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. Hey, what's going on, Hannah? How are you getting, like, how can you see who's on there? So what you have to do is you have to click those three dots at the top and go to show activity and it'll show you who's in the room. It'll show you how many listeners you've had at, at you know, your peak listeners, the total listeners, like however many people have come in and out and also how many people are on the live currently. And uh, what's up, Hannah? I'm going to add you as a friend. Dude, that is crazy. Okay. All right. I'm going to share this bad boy to my social media platforms. Let's make mm-hmm. it happen. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to create a video real quick and I'm going to share it to my social media platforms. The only thing that sucks about using the, uh, the direct converter to social media platforms is it just sends random clips of you talking. Yeah. Like last time it was like us, just some random thing. That's okay though. I'm going to use it because it's convenient. Oh, gravity. Oh, I went to the enemy's camp. And so this podcast, this podcast, we're going to go ahead and uh, do a talent show. Talk about, okay. Can you sing? All right. Tanner, do a rap. Drop a freestyle, bro. Mm. 
Listen, I came on this live to give you a little clarity. Me and Pastor John about to talk about prosperity. Ooh. Woo. <laughs> what about you, John? Can you drop a freestyle for us? <laughs> Bro, I be freestyling while I be making my profiling, looking like an eye monocle. Um, I don't know what rhymes with monocle. Um, I don't know either. Monocle, Chronicles. Sitting there with a handlebar mustache, talking about how the Lord will give you cash. It ain't too <laughs> rash. We ain't talking trash. <laughs> Man, what, what's what's really funny is like my my avatar is super accurate. Besides all, besides the green beard. I mean, I don't wear glasses, but. Sometimes I Are do. you serious? You don't have a green beard in real life? No, man. Unfortunately. If I had a beard, I would I would make it some loud color. Probably pink, though. Add the story. Let's see. Here we go. We're going down. You can see it, too. All right, we're going to see... You know what blows my mind? TNT? That Phil Collins wrote the album for Tarzan. <laughs> really? Yeah, you just said something that made me think of that song. I can feel it moving in the air tonight. Oh, Lord. So that guy Tarzan. that wrote that song, he's the one that sings like all the songs on Tarzan. You'll be in my heart or whatever. It's you, yeah. Me and my heart. I'm like, what Phil, the crap? Like, Phil Collins. Like... What? Go ahead. I said Phil Collins was the was one of the first ever to master singing and playing the drums at the same time. Oh, really? He played the drums while singing. Yeah, he's he's the one that created the drum roll. The boom, 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 boom. Yeah, he's a drum he's a drum and maniac. If you don't get hype when you hear that song, there's something wrong with you. If, and if you also don't play the imaginary drums when that roll comes on, something's also wrong to you. Wrong with you. Da, da, da. But the funny part is, like, listening to a bunch of – which we're young, obviously. Like, I'm 20 – about to be 26. You're in your 20s. So we're not, like – we weren't alive then. But we're a little bit – older like you listen to like young kids that have heard it on a commercial or something like they've never actually listened to the music and they, they do the drum <laughs> solo in the wrong place like six times they're like here it is and then, <laughs> nope 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 and then they're like god when is it do 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 i can feel it in the air tonight Amen. Y'all y'all help man. us out. Share it. Share it. If you're Hannah, I think you're the only listener so far. That's okay. Uh, Bree, I need to follow Bree. I don't know if I should follow all these people because I have a ton of people that have been following me, but I feel like it doesn't look good, right, on your social media when you have way more followers than – or you have way more following than followers. Well, I typically – and, you know, it's it, – and it's for that – for the main reason that I want to be able to – the only people that I follow – except for my wife or people that also make content and that also make podcasts. So 
I mean, I'm, right. I'm kind of the same way on social media too. Like on TikTok, like I have like almost 3,000 followers, but I only follow like 180 people. But all 180 people are Christian content creators. And so their, their, their content is the only content that I want to see pop up on my For You page. So they're the only people I follow. Let me send a text. Live BT dubs. And then we'll jump right into this. We'll tackle this mammoth of a subject. We'll this get mammoth right into it. of a subject. All right. So let's go ahead and just start the conversation. So a lot of people, like, they don't – I don't know. Maybe we could talk about misconceptions about this topic. Obviously, the title of this topic or this broadcast, I should say, How to Prosper in Life. We're talking about prosperity. That word scares the poo-poo out of most Christians. And, it, and here's, the, here's the God-honest truth. And this is what, like, I feel like, you know, Jesus spoke to hypocritical mindsets. The people that don't want to have this conversation, they don't want to talk about it. They want to act like they're somehow, you know, that's wrong. And we don't care about money. We don't care about any of that stuff. Dude, it's a, it's a bald-faced, stinking lie. Like, when you look at their life, they definitely don't live like they care, like they don't care about money. They just get offended when you're a minister and you teach what the Bible teaches about money. And so that really drives me absolutely crazy. Like when you see, especially Americans say, oh, you know, the Bible, like the other day, the Bible says blessed are those who are poor. Okay, well, also read it in context, poor in spirit. Uh, and then you also have to add the context of Jesus was talking about, like, you know, basically in order to come to him, you have to be humble. You have to be hungry. You have to acknowledge that you have a need for him. There were so many people that, that would not come to Jesus like the Pharisees because they're like, you know, at one point in John uh, 8, he says, he's talking about who the son sets free is free indeed. And the Pharisees were like, Bro, what are you talking about free? We're sons of Abraham. We are free. But they weren't free. And so that was kind of the whole point that Jesus was making is like, first, you have to acknowledge that you are sick, that you have a problem, that you need forgiveness. And if you stay in this place where you think like, I don't need that. I'm good. I'm blessed. I don't need Jesus. Right. We got our religion. I'm a leader of the synagogue here. I. I don't have, you know, an issue or a problem. Jesus said, you'll never come to him. So in order to come to him, you've got to be hungry. And that's kind of the context of that verse. Yeah. Being poor in spirit. I think a whole, I think another huge misconception about the teaching of prosperity is because just like with anything, whether it's truth or not truth, there's always going to be people that, you know, that miss that that misteach and misrepresent you know what we're teaching there there are people that teach that you know just because you're a christian that you'll be rich um or just because you have a relationship with jesus you're going to be you know you're going you're going to be doing just fine in life um and so there are people on the up, other end of the spectrum you know that i guess you could call them like hyper prosperity you know where all they preach is prosperity 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 and the truth of the matter is 
is, you know, all throughout the, and we're going to talk about this and I don't mean to get ahead. The truth of the matter is before you can ever prosper in your bank account, you have to be prospering in your spirit and in your soul. Um, and, and, and the way that you do that is through obedience. And so you have people that teach half of the recipe or they, they teach, they teach, you know, they teach the final product, the finished product of prosperity without teaching the agree, the ingredients that it takes to get prosperity. Um, and then also they teach prosperity for the wrong reasons. You know, people, you know, God's going to give you a Lamborghini, you know, or God's going to give you, you know, God, the misconception that God blesses you just so that you can drive nice cars, so you can live in a nice house, so that you can, you know, that you can wear the finest clothes. All of those things are true. God does desire for those, you to have those things, but God doesn't desire for those things to have you. And so I think that when people misteach prosperity, that they could actually do a lot more harm than they can do good um, when teaching the prosperity message. Because, you know, without prosperity, you can't do half of what Jesus commands you to do. You know, Matthew 25, it says, for when I was poor, you know, for when I for when I was hungry, you gave me food for when I had nowhere to stay. You allowed me to stay in your house. And so if you if you don't have abundance to pull from and if you can't even provide for yourself, how can you provide for others the way that Jesus has explained and, uh, you know, has commanded us to do. And so when I teach prosperity and when I view prosperity, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's limit it down to shorter. Cause you just said about five things that I would like to comment on briefly. Okay. Before we just like get lost and in, in rolling with it. So what you said about, you know, people think, well, God's just going to bless me so I can drive a nice Lamborghini and have a nice clothes. And like, Number one, I'm reading this book right now called Rich Man, Poor Man. If you've ever mm-hmm. read that book, uh, you'll know it's a wonderful read. It's not a necessarily like a, a Christian book, but I will say this. As you understand what the Bible teaches about finances and what the Bible teaches about prosperity, you see this, these same principles um, of people. You know, people that are basically this guy is giving which I believe that he does, you know, he's actually a Christian, but this guy is giving all these principles of basically the book is a contrast between how the rich think and how the poor think a poor man's mindset and a rich is a rich man's mindset and how the rich operate, how they spend their money, you know, uh, how they uh, allocate their resources, all kinds of things. Uh, and so it's just crazy. They're sitting here teaching all of these principles, whether they know it or not. Those principles come from the Bible. They're things that actually God has said in his word for thousands of years. But one, the, the point that I wanted to make is that when you like read this book, that mindset, like I just need to get money so I can have a Lamborghini and I can have fine things. Uh, that's a poor man's mindset. The rich Absolutely. that are truly rich. I'm not talking about people that just, oh, I acted in a movie and I got millions of dollars and then I'm broke next year anyways. I'm talking about the true elite. They don't think like that. That's not how they spend their money. That's not like, for instance, a rich man. Uh, when a, If a rich man wants a luxury item, they actually take their money and they, they invest it in an asset, which an asset is basically something that generates income for you. It, it creates residual income. So they'll sit there and think, what, where can I invest this money where it begins to make money for me without me having to physically, you know, be there present and take it on as like a job. And so what they'll do is like, hey, I need I, I want if I want a nice car, 
instead of going and just buying a nice car and going into debt and spending that money, they're actually first, they'll make an investment where uh, they, they create an asset that would funnel that money to pay for that car. So they let the car basically pay for itself. And so my whole mind, my whole point in saying that is anybody that has that mindset about prosperity, like, which is most people, when they hear this word, they think, well, that's what people, what we're teaching is that God's just going to bless you so that you can just go buy a Maserati. You can go like, literally, if you think like that, you'll never step into Bible prosperity because by thinking like that, you're still thinking like a slave and a poor man. And you can't think like a poor man and enter into you know, the, a, a kingdom position of who God's created you to be in Christ. That's Amen. a poor man's way to think. And a lot of people don't even realize it because that's how the middle class and the lower class think. But go ahead, continue. If you guys are yep. that are hopping on, have any questions, drop us. If you don't know how this app works, there's a little button on the bottom left. Uh, you click that button, you can send in voice messages and interact with us, ask questions. Even if you're a troll, we welcome trolls because we'll take you to school. So anyways, go ahead, Tanner. Yeah, and also, like, if, if you have any misconceptions or you have any conceptions or ideologies about prosperity and the message of prosperity, you know, please don't hesitate to hit that button at the bottom and, and, and say, you know, hey, this is – when I think of prosperity, you know, a preacher that's preaching prosperity, this is what I think about. Um, and we would actually love to, you know, bring those under subjection to the scripture, you know, whether or not they're correct or, you know, whether or not they're not. But, uh, you know, before we jump into this thing, I just want to give a little testimony, you know, just to kind of solidify that what we're teaching is Bible truth. What we're teaching is not is we're not teaching it for self gain. We're teaching it because we want you to be able to wrap your heart and your brain around the concept of prosperity, because there's a difference between the world's prosperity and the prosperity that God will give you. And when you receive the prosperity that God wants to give you, I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. But my test, my, just a brief 60 second testimony is I grew up, you know, in a church where I was taught, born and raised, and it was bred on the inside of me, you know, that, Oh, there, if, if somebody preaches prosperity, that they're automatically, you know, preaching a false gospel. And so when I actually came to Pastor John's church, what happened was, is, you know, he was preaching the blessing of the Lord. He was preaching, you know, seed time and harvest and these different principles from the Bible. And so my mind was trained when I heard the word prosperity was like Pastor John said, was to tuck tail and run as far away as I could. Um, but for some reason I couldn't. And I got to the point where I was like, okay, Lord, everything that this guy is saying He's saying from the scripture and, he, you know, he's 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 showing contextual and biblical proof that what he is saying is in the scripture. And so I said, I'm, I'm going to begin to test you, Lord, because that's the only thing that the that Jesus or that the Bible tells us it's OK to test God in is in our finances. And so I, I you know, I put the word, you know, the, the, the concept of seed time and harvest to the test. Uh, I begin to sow seed. I begin to speak to the seed that I sowed. You know, the Bible says, you know. You know, this, that and the other, which I won't get into into debt too, uh, too much because we'll, we'll break this down as we go. And I began to see fruit from the seed that I was sowing. And so it became, you know, it became very, very obvious to me that what this what Pastor John was preaching was directly from the Bible. 
Um, and, it, and that, it, yes, it indeed is God's will for his people to prosper and for several reasons. And we'll get into those reasons later. But it is the will of the father for his children to prosper. What father, what earthly, think about it like this. What earthly father doesn't want their earthly children to prosper? What earthly father doesn't look at their child and say, man, I want to give them, you know, not only do I want to meet their needs, but I also want to go above and beyond their needs. Um, and so the, God is the same way. And we're, what we're wanting to do in this broadcast is to prove that to you scripturally, that God is a good God. He's Jehovah Jireh, the God of more than enough, and he, he, he's the God of abundance. And so what we're going to do in this broadcast is we want to prove that to you. Absolutely. And you know, like even as you're talking, I'm sitting here thinking like, bro, this could honestly be like a year's worth of teaching because, yeah, we could go into – the Jehovah Jireh, the El Shaddai, that this is, you know, pros prospering, giving abundantly is not just something that God does. It's actually who he is. And so you yep. never actually have to question that, like, oh, is it God's will? Maybe it's God's will for some to be blessed. Maybe God was withholding his blessing from this person. And I've heard people talk and they think they're being spiritual, but they're actually just being stupid. And they're like, I was talking to a guy the other night that's like, yeah, the Lord's kept me in a dark place. No, the Lord kept me in poverty, and it was for his glory uh, because there was a testimony. I want to tell you right now, seriously, the Bible already has a message. Like, God didn't have to keep you broke, keep you bound, and keep you in destruction to kind of build some testimony because his message isn't good enough. That's not God. And God doesn't do that because giving and blessing and prospering isn't something he simply does or doesn't do. It's literally who he is. And we could get into the names of God. Where he said, I am Jehovah Jireh. I am mm. El Shaddai. I, uh, so it's not just what he does. It's who he is. And when you begin to understand it's who he is, you begin to walk in his will all the time. You know that it's always his will. So anyways, we could get into all this stuff. But uh, the reason why we're going to take time to teach about this, and it blows my mind. Like, I don't know what the viewership's going to be like. I'm going to say in faith it's going to be great today. But for some reason, people like people don't I don't know. There's a lot of people that just aren't interested, seemingly kind of in this topic. But it's so extremely important, man. It's so stinking important. It pertains to your life. And I want to say this prospering pertains to not only how you live your life on Earth. But Tanner kind of scratched the surface. It actually pertains to how you'll spend your eternity in heaven, because what? Your ability to gather resources, multiply resources, and then properly use those resources will ultimately determine the reward that you step into in heaven. You think about Amen. the parable of the servants. Jesus came back and said, you know, think about this responsibility, Tanner. Jesus came back and asked the servants, how did you multiply the talents that I gave you? Not Oh, you know, how, how much time did you spend in prayer and how much time did, did you pray and ask me to just give you, Lord, okay, I, you know, you gave me three talents and, and I've already kind of used those. Can you give me more talents? No, he came back and said, I gave it to you. Now, how did you take what I gave you and multiply it? And so I really believe that. One thing that we'll say, and I'll say right off the bat, is this, in Christ, Every single born-again believer has received the ability to financially prosper. Now, 
I was thinking about this today, just driving. I was picking up some dry cleaning. Uh, and I was thinking, I was like, Lord, thank you that you've blessed me. I said, Lord, thank you that, man, you've blessed me so much the last month or two. It just seems like, man, you've just blessed me, blessed me. And the Lord stopped me, seriously. And he said, John, I, I, I like what you're saying, but I want you to even grow a little bit here. He said, I haven't necessarily just blessed you more the last couple of months. I poured out my entire blessing in Christ 2,000 years ago. But yet because of decisions that you've made and your faith and your understanding of what I've done, you have walked in that blessing that's actually been provided for you the entire time. So I haven't like decided to bless you more. You have stepped into that blessing with your faith and with the decisions that you've been making. And this is what it's produced. You've seen the fruit and the results of it. And so I'm just like, wow, you know, you begin to really understand what we have in Christ. And we'll kind of go over some of those scriptures that I'm basing that out of in a moment. Uh, but, you know, you, you kind of asked the question a moment ago. You said, should just because you're a Christian, you know, people think I'm a Christian. That means I'm supposed to prosper, you know. I don't know why people have a problem with that. So let me just make my position clear if this is confusing. If you are a Christian, I believe you should prosper. If you do not prosper in your life, I'm not talking about a temporary setback. I'm not talking about you just got saved and you're like, why am I not a millionaire yet? No, if you get to the end of your life and you've walked with Christ for a extended amount of time, you should prosper, not just prosper in peace, because people are like, well, when the Bible says prosper, it's talking about being prosperous in peace and mercy and love. And, and, and here's a wild idea for you. You don't have to actually choose between prospering in peace and love and mercy and all the fruits of the spirit. You can prosper physically. You can prosper spiritually. You can prosper financially. You can prosper mentally. And I don't. I mean, really, me and Tanner could talk to you about those are specific redemptions that Christ purchased, physical, financial, and spiritual. Um, but anyways, we were just talking about that the other day. So let me just yeah. make that statement again. If, if, if we are living this life for any amount of time and claiming to be in covenant with God, and we are not seeing our life exponentially prosper, in every area, something is not right. We're going to prove that according to the scripture. So, yeah. Let so me give I, you some I, good news. Okay, go ahead. I, I, I kind of want to segue into the into the into the uh, educational part of the podcast just by giving a Merriam-Webster's definition of prosperity, because you know you hear this word all the time. Oh, pros the prosperity gospel prosperity preacher. Um, and you know, we've, we've, like I said earlier, we've been trained, conditioned and coached to hate and run away from quote unquote prosperity preachers. Um, if you want to call me a prosperity preacher, that's, that's perfectly fine with me because I do preach prosperity, but what is prosperity? Let's break that down. Merriam Webster actually hits the nail on the head with what the Bible talks about. The definition of prosperity means the condition of being successful or thriving. The condition of being successful or thriving. And then it says in a sub point down here, especially in an economic way. And so when, when, I think, when I think of the word prosperity, 
And I think of what Jesus died on the cross for, you know, you can, the blanket verse for Christianity is, is John 10, 10, in my opinion, the devil has come to steal, kill and destroy. So the devil has come to make, to make sure that you live in lack, to make sure that you live a life that is completely and totally and utter, you know, destruction. But on the flip side of that verse, it said Jesus had actually come to give life and life abundantly. And the word prosperity and abundance actually go hand in hand at their root meaning. The condition of being successful or thriving. And so you may be saying, well, okay, you said something, you know, you showed us what Webster says. What does that have to do with the Bible? And so I want to start us off here. And you may probably have the same verse if you do, praise God. Um, but I want to start off in Psalms 1-3 just to go ahead and put to bed that the word prosperity and preacher should not go hand in hand or prosperity and gospel did not go hand in hand. Psalms 1-3 or Psalms verse 1 or chapter 1 verse 1 says this. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law he meditates on day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. This is important. Which yields fruit in every season, and its leaves never wither. And in whatever he does, catch this, he prospers. And so what does it mean to prosper? It means to be successful and thrive. And so we see in, 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 in Psalms chapter 1 that actually we have a promise that if we consecrate ourselves from the things of the world and we meditate on God's word and on his law, that we will be prosperous in everything that we do. And I'll stop yeah, there and absolutely. let you chime in because I'll go on for an yeah. hour if you let me. Yeah, we'll uh, and let's do this. Let's make a commitment, me and you both, because sometimes people will tune onto this. And I heard this uh, acronym. I believe that's the right term. It was called Keep It Kiss, which basically KISS stands for Keep It Stupid Simple. So we're going to try to keep all of this like as stupidly simple as we possibly can for people that come in and have no foundation of the Bible whatsoever. So to kind of just re reiterate what Tanner is saying in a very layman's terms, Jesus came, he said in John 10, 10, to give us life and life abundantly. He didn't just come for us to go to heaven. He actually came and freed us, as you read the Bible, freed us from everything that oppresses us, not only spiritually and some future life in this life, oppresses us physically, oppresses us spiritually, oppresses us financially. He came that we may have abundant life in all capacities and every capacity. And so let's go ahead and kind of segue into this here. Um, a lot of people... I'll tell you a, a personal story. A couple of years ago, I had gotten kicked out of a, a church denomination, which is funny, and it, it, it's not really important. But this denomination was actually built on the things that I preach and teach. If you look at its origins, I'll tell you the Assemblies of God. I should have done it old Shuttlesworth, uh, Shuttlesworth's style. I'm not going to tell you the name, but it, it, it rhymes with Possembles, possemblies of God, <laughs> you know, something stupid like that. <laughs> Anyways, I got kicked out of an assemblies of God denomination. I won't say get kicked out, but I kind of got forced out and I made the decision to step out because of teaching this. And I remember I was having a talk with a pastor and several of his board members. They didn't like what I was teaching. They didn't like what I was preaching to people. Uh, and so that's, I'm going to tell you that this is why we're teaching you what we're teaching you today. So 
they came to me and they set me down and they said, John, are you meaning to tell me that if Christians just simply get saved, they'll be millionaires? And I said, no, no, you completely missed it. Are you meaning to tell me that if I just have enough faith, I'll be rich one day? And I said, absolutely not. That's not what I'm teaching people. That's not what I'm telling people because that's not what the Bible teaches or says. And so with that being said, we're going to give you, it doesn't matter if you're Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, whatever, five, I've written down four, I'm sorry, four irrefutable Bible doctrines on prosperity, things that you cannot refute the Bible teaches. Now, let me just say this. You can disagree with me all day long. You have a right to listen to what I'm saying and say, I don't agree with it. That is absolutely fine. You don't have to agree with it. But one thing that you cannot say is that the Bible doesn't teach what we're about to share with you. It's irrefutable in the scripture. It's black and white. And if you're going to go around it, you have to purposely try to get around it because it's everywhere. This isn't going to be one or two little things that are cherry picked. So let me kind of also say this as well for people turning on and listening. This isn't when you're a Christian, it's not my opinion and your opinion. You know, number one. The fundamental thing every person who wants to be a Christian must do is come to this decision where they believe the word of God is the ultimate authority. You have to come and cross this bridge where you have decided to make the word of God your ultimate authority. Because there's so many Christians, they claim the name of Jesus, yet they're weird, they're wacky, they're confused, they're messed up. Because they they claim this name and they enter into this, you know, for them, it's a religion. But yet all they do is walk around and and live by their own opinion still. Well, this is how I think. This is how I feel. This is how I see it. Who cares? Who cares what you think? Who cares what you feel? And who cares what I think? And who cares what I feel? When you become a Christian, you have to make this first decision. Even if I hate it, if I don't understand it. If I disagree with it in my flesh, I'm making the decision that God's word is the ultimate authority. And I'm going to conform myself to what the word says, not try to conform the word to what I think. So that's our approach in this. You can argue with us, but ultimately, we're not just going to get up here and feed you our opinions. We're going to give you the scripture uh, that irrefutably prove this. So let's go ahead and dive right into it. You guys that are listening, share the broadcast. This is going to be good. Let me. We had Aaron pop on. Aaron, I don't know if you're listening, bro. If you guys are, share us, send us a message, pop in, say hello. We'd love to hear from you. So number one, let's go over the first point, Tanner. This is what the Bible teaches. And this was kind of my approach whenever I was approached by that pastor and those board members and they said you know we don't like what you're preaching we don't we don't uh we don't agree with it you know what i asked them was a question i said okay that's fine you don't like what i'm preaching well let me ask you a question i said because they said i don't believe that every you know every christian's supposed to prosper and i said i have a hard time with that you know for one because the pastor was living in a house the church had just bought them was driving the car the church had just paid for, was living, you know, living off a nice salary. I got no problem with that. But I have a serious issue for you to go around and say it's God's will, you know, 
apparently for me to be blessed, but it's not God's will for everyone to be blessed. I think that's manipulative. I really, really, really hate that. And I want to tell you, Jesus hates that. That's hypocritical. And that's like, dude, that's demon religion. That's what the Catholic Church did to people for hundreds and hundreds of years was to keep everybody poor and stupid so that certain ones could benefit from it. Tanner, have I lost you yet? No, I'm still here. Okay, so, I mean, I just had a problem with that. I said, man, I can't walk around. Like, I'm not, I'm not arrogant enough, I don't think. Like, I'm not foolish enough to genuinely just walk around and act like, oh, I'm special, you know. I guess God must really like me. I'm special because I'm blessed. But it's not, every, it's not God's will for everybody to, to make over $100,000 a year. That's not God's will for everybody. I can't do that. I can't look at a single mother who's struggling, who comes into the faith and say, you know, it's okay, sweetheart. Um, you know, your poverty is glorifying the Lord as I'm, as I'm walking around blessed by God. It's not right. And so I said, I can't teach that. I can't preach that. And, um, and so I asked them this question. They said, well, John, I don't like what you're saying. I don't agree with it. I said, okay, that's fine. Well, let me ask you a question. I said, do you believe that every Christian should obey the scriptures? I asked them that, Tanner. I said, do you believe that every Christian should obey the Bible? And they said, yeah, we, we, we believe that. We believe every Christian should walk in obedience to the Bible. And I said, okay, then. Then you believe in prosperity. What? What do you mean? Well, according to the scripture, and this is point number one of irrefutable proofs. Obedience to the Bible produces prosperity. According to the scriptures, the Bible says if you obey the scriptures, this is funny. The Bible says if you obey the Bible, it will produce prosperity, financial prosperity in your life. So to say that you believe every Christian should walk according to the scriptures, but yet say you don't believe it's God's will for every Christian to prosper, you're contradicting yourself because the Bible teaches that when you walk in obedience to the scriptures, the byproduct will be that you will prosper. I think I lost my partner. Let me share you no. some, some scriptures with you. Deuteronomy 28. Write these references down. This is Deuteronomy 28. So the point is obedience equals prosperity. And so people, I mean, people have got to get out of this wrong mindset. People think that this is just like a book of rules, a book of, you know, and there's rules. But they just think like that God doesn't want you to have any fun, that God, you know, he's just trying to take your joy away and, and things have changed. And, and, and I don't like the Bible because I just can't live like that. Dude, you're completely missing it. God, think about this. And I tell our youth kids this all the time. Can you imagine like playing, like here's a game people play that you can use cheat codes, Grand Theft Auto. Hey, you put in your little cheat codes, jump over buildings, you know, do all kinds of crazy stuff. Can you imagine playing the game with the people that wrote the code for the game? You know, they would know where little Easter eggs and hacks and, and things are that nobody else knows. 
I mean, and that's exactly like you understand God's heart towards people. He loves people. He created the stinking ground that we stand on. He knows what works. He knows what doesn't work. When God says, like, for instance, here's an example. The Bible explicitly condemns homosexuality. Does God hate homosexuals? No, he doesn't hate homosexuals. He hates the sin and he hates the spirit, but he doesn't hate those people. He died for those people. But yet, just because God doesn't hate them and and he actually does love them, does that mean that God's okay with homosexuality and condones it? Absolutely not. The Bible is clear. You can read in 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6. Those are two examples where Paul said these will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Read Romans chapter 1 and 2. He explicitly condemns homosexuality. This is just one example. Why? Why does God do that? I'll tell you why. Is it because he doesn't want people to have fun, right? Well, I think gay sex is fun. But you don't understand. You just love who you love. Why did God condemn it? Because if you look even scientifically, it doesn't work. Two men cannot create a baby. Two women cannot create a baby. Scientifically, it doesn't even work to procreate. You know, and that's how you know there's several things that you, that you can just debunk. Like, you know that we didn't come from a bunch of monkeys in a cesspool. We didn't crawl out of some sludge and evolve into human beings. If we did, it would be engraved in our DNA to procreate and to preserve our species. That's the number one rule of creation, right, of, 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 of animal nature, survive at all costs, And that's actually a role of evolution, survival of the fittest. So wouldn't homosexuality, that that exists, disprove that we've come, you know, from that theory? Because if we just evolved, it would be rooted on the inside of us. Hey, two men can't have a baby. Two women can't have a baby. It would be like our animal instinct to find a partner of the opposite sex and procreate to preserve our species. So that shows you that this isn't just a natural thing. There's a spiritual world. We're more than just flesh and bones. We have a spirit. There is a God. There is a devil. There is a right. There is a wrong. And so God, I'm using the example of homosexuality, condemns homosexuality, not because he hates those people, because it doesn't work. It doesn't work scientifically. It doesn't work if you look in history. Any time that a nation or an empire began to embrace those, those philosophies, it collapsed from within itself. That was one of the, the things that caused the Roman Empire to collapse. They began to just embrace this. Like a man can have several sexual partners, including children, including several other men and a wife. And I want to tell you, it doesn't freaking work. Two men pretending to be a, a husband, you know, a mother and a father or whatever, two fathers can't look at statistics. It doesn't work in raising children. It doesn't work in creating productive, well-rounded individuals to come and contribute to society. It doesn't work. And God knows it doesn't work. And so it's like this element of faith and trust. I know his heart 
I know that he wants to give me life and life abundantly. And if God tells me not to touch the stove, there's a reason for it because it will burn my hand and it's not good for me. And so. I don't know if we've had any. Nope, none. Man, I figured that would trigger some people for sure. Yeah, I don't see I don't see anybody new jumping on. Or when they do, they jump right back off. That's okay. This is good podcast material anyways for me. Um, And so the Bible is clear. This is a book of rules, but you have to understand that when God gives us instructions, it causes us. This is God telling us, if you'll do what I say, you will prosper. And that's the message that we want to get to you in this first point. Obedience to the Bible promises prosperity according to the Bible. I'll have Tanner turn to Joshua chapter 1. Tanner, if you have your Bible, mark a couple places for me. Are you reading? Is there any way possible for you to read from the New Living? Absolutely not. No way? Okay. (laughs) No, only, only because I just don't have... I don't have those downloaded on my auto Bibles, and the only Bible that I have with me is my NASB. Dang it. Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy 28. Look what the Bible says. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep his commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings. Look at this again. If. If you obey. So here's my point. This if is contingent on us. It's not contingent on, well, if God, and that's how a lot of Christians think. If God decides he wants to bless me, right? If it's God's will, how many of you know, I'll, you know, I'll be, I'll be, ultimately, I'll be what God wants me to be. How, like, you, you know, people are just missing it. That's not what the Bible says at all. The Bible says, God is laying it out, and he's saying, if you will take hold and obey what I am telling you to do, this will be the result. Your towns will be blessed. Your fields will be blessed. Your children, your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Verse 6, everywhere you go and whatever you do will be blessed. So isn't that crazy to think? According to the scripture, if you walk in obedience to the word of God, you'll be blessed Every day, all the time, every season, everywhere that you go and everything that you do. Doesn't that right there debunk mountaintop and valley Christianity? Yep. How many of you know we just go through seasons sometimes? I'm in a season of drought. I'm in a se- God has God has me in a season of, of like Job. I've had Christians tell me that the Lord, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, I'm sending you into a season like Job. Well, you're going to, you know, you're going to lose everything and it's all a part of my, no, I want to tell you, you're listening to some weirdo, either a, you're, you know, you're listening and you're just being spiritually immature and you need to, you need to get rooted in the word of God. And you're listening to some weirdo that just walks around saying, the Lord says this, the Lord says that, that are totally off base or B, I know a lot of Christians because they're lazy, they don't want to read the Bible. And they just want to walk by, quote, unquote, the spirit. And so they just 
uh, yeah, I walked up to my fridge and the Holy Ghost told me I needed to eat three slices of this cheesecake. But then the Holy Ghost said, no, I want you to put blueberries on. I mean, you know what I mean? They're just so weird. Like everything they do is just so freaking quacky that it doesn't even make any sense. And they have no rooting in the word. And so they come and they say, oh, the Lord's bringing me through this season right now. Everywhere that you go and everything that you do will be blessed if you fully obey what I'm telling you today, is what he told us, the children of Israel. Amen. Verse 7, the Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They'll attack you from one direction, but they'll scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything that you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he's giving you. You skip on down. It talks about your children. You'll have prosperity. Your children will be blessed. Your crops will be blessed. Everything will be blessed. It says you'll lend to many. You'll never need to borrow from them. If you listen, look at this again, verse 13. If, this is contingent on us, if we listen to the commands of the Lord your God I'm giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will always, look at that, you'll always be on top and never at the bottom. Verse 14, once again, but you must not turn away from any of the commands I'm giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. So one scripture, and we're going to give you many more, that the Bible promises that if you walk according to the written word of God, the instructions of God, you will be blessed every day, all the time. That's right. So this means anybody. that Guys, this is the good news. Anybody. I don't care. I'm so sick of hearing this. And people will say, well, you're just saying this because you're white. No, it's a devil. It's a devil that tells a group of people that because you're black, you're systematically oppressed. And, it, you know, the reason you can't be anything is because there's a nation that's against you. you got to stop thinking like a stinking slave. I'm serious. The black community has to stop thinking like slaves, thinking like victims. And I have many black friends that will tell you that are born again, that will tell you that's what the problem is. You can't walk around thinking. That everybody else is the reason, and they're withholding you from being all that you can be. That's not what the Word of God says. You will be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Anybody, whether you're black, white, yellow, polka-dotted, young, old, American, Nigerian, doesn't matter. If you'll obey the Word of God, you will prosper. Absolutely. So, Tanner, I'll, I'll drop a quick reference of what the Bible says, and I'll let you kind of commentate on some of that, and we'll share the rest of the scriptures to go along with this point. So my, the Bible says, by the testimony of two or three witnesses, let it be confirmed. So number one, Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy. So Moses said it. Now let's skip over to Joshua chapter one. Tanner, while I'm skipping there, go ahead and feel free to chime in. If you have anything. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I mean, it's what he's saying is absolutely right. And it's it's directly from the scripture. It's not it's like you said, it's it's not it's not something that, you know, we have access to because we're white and you don't have access to because you're not black. I, I actually want to do this. People that are listening to the broadcast, even if you're already saved, even if you already know it, I want you to say I'm not white and I'm not black. I'm blessed. 
period. If you serve the Lord and you keep his commandments and you delight yourself on his law, the Bible says you will be blessed in your finances, in your health, in your business endeavors, in every single thing that you do, you will be blessed, period. It doesn't it didn't say if you happen to be of a certain descent, you'll be blessed. It says if you obey my commands and you're careful to keep my law, I will bless everything that you touch. You'll be the head and not the tail. So, I mean, I, I definitely do agree people get into this mindset of, well, it's easy for a couple of white guys to stand up and say that. Let me tell you something. The moment that America can get away from race will be the moment that America can begin to hold on to the promises of the Lord. When you understand that God is no respecter of person, God is no respecter of race. God is a respecter of those who keep his law. And when they keep his law, he blesses them. Period. End of story. And then stop being ignorant. You know, I want to tell you something. Stupid comes in all shapes and it comes in all colors. People that just sit there. Oh, yeah, you can say that because you're white. Stop being stupid. Do some research. Go listen to Bishop David Oedepo. He's he's the opposite of white. Let me tell you. <laughs> Go listen. Let's look up Preacher Jay. He's preaching in Tampa right now. He's from Ghana, I believe. Or is he from Nigeria? I'm not sure. But listen no to these people. I mean, they're not white. And they'll tell you the same thing that we're saying. But my point is you've got to get out of that victim mindset. Like, telling everybody why you well this is why you know this is why we live in housing you know this is why we we because we're oppressed by everybody no 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 and i want to tell you the bible also teaches that even if it was true the bible's full of people that were actually being oppressed that the lord supernaturally look at the, look at the story of joseph supernaturally he rose to the top in everything that he did didn't matter like what situation he was thrown in by the blessing of the Lord. He rose to the top everywhere that he went and everything that he did. And so even if you are oppressed, which there's an argument to be made in that, I'm just trying to help you get out of a victim mentality. Get out of that mentality. you got to stop thinking like a slave to the world. Stop thinking like a slave to the government. Stop thinking like a slave to white man's system. No. Think like a born-again child of God. I am free, and I am the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. So, Amen. let's continue. You guys are like, well, that's the Old Testament. Hold on, we got a message here from Aaron Demons Leo. think like slaves. Yeah, demons think like slaves. That's true. So, that's 100% true, man. It's, it's a demonic mindset. So people could be listening to this back. Oh, you know what? You're cherry picking that. That's the Old Testament. You know, some idiot that went to a Bible college and played on their Game Boy Advance through all the lectures and then think that there's somebody because there's a degree behind their name. You're just saying that, you know, I, I'll say that I can say that because I went to Bible college and I have a degree. <laughs> That's what 90% of the people that I sat around in class with with i look around that's what they're doing they're playing games they're on their phone and then they leave and now they're you know they thought oh i'm somebody i got something to say because i showed up in a class and dishonored the presence of god and played on my psp while you know the the minister was teaching no listen to me we're not cherry picking 
Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. So Moses said it. Now listen, Joshua said it. Different author, different man, different time. Says the same thing pretty much verbatim. The Lord tells Joshua, verse 6, Be strong and courageous, for you're the one who will lead these people to possess the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Look at this. God is giving Joshua the instructions. This is what you need to do in order to be successful in your endeavors. He says, be strong, verse 7, Joshua 1, and very courageous. Be careful to obey. Look at that. Be careful, careful to obey the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. So the Lord was telling Joshua, Joshua, if you'll take this instruction and you'll be careful and not just take it lightly and loosely like most Christians, right? However, they fart that day is how they live. Well, I'm blown over here, blown over there. I feel like this. I don't feel like this. No, get in the word and be careful. Live a life where you carefully walk according to the word of God. He says, if you do this, you'll be successful in everything that you do. Study this book of instruction continually and meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. So here's the promise. If you'll take this book, study it day and night and walk according to what it says, it says only then will you prosper and succeed in all that you do. Same instructions that Moses was given. Now Joshua was given. Let's flip over to 1 Kings chapter 2. You got Moses saying it. You got Joshua saying it. We're proving to you that we're not just cherry picking something. 1 Kings chapter 2. Look at the final instructions David gave to his son Solomon. 1 Kings 2 verse 2. David said, I'm going where everyone on earth must someday go. He said, take courage and be a man. Verse 3, observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all his ways. Keep his decrees, his commands, his regulations and laws written in the law of Moses. So look at this. So that you will be successful in all that you do and everywhere that you go. So apparently Moses knew the key to success. Joshua knew the key to success. David gets to the end of his life being the king that Jews thousands of years ago still identified David as their true king. Thousands and thousands of years later, they're still talking about David. And he tells you the key to success. Study this book. Walk according to this book of instruction. And you'll be successful in everything that you do and everywhere that you go. Amen. Let's repeat it again in Psalms 1. David says it again. Tanner already read it, but I'll read it again because under this lens, I want you to see it. Same message repeated again and again and again in the scripture. Psalms 1, verse 2. Those that delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it day and night will be like a tree planted along the riverbank. So look, think about this. He's saying those that take this word, delight in it, get it in them, get it in their heart, fix their eyes on it, walk according to it, you will be like a tree. This is what it will produce in your life. A tree bearing fruit in each season. Your leaves never wither and you prosper. Say prosper. 
I just don't like that message, that prosperity. Get over it. We didn't write it. That's the word God chose to use through the Holy Ghost when he wrote the Bible. I'm pretty sure God's not the problem. If you don't like the Bible, then just say, I don't agree with the Bible. Don't sit here and try to make it say something that it doesn't say. So, the same, the same message given again and again and again. If you obey the word of God, it will cause you to prosper. So, flip over for the last one. Flip over to John chapter 15, and we're going to read from there. This is irrefutable. You may not like it or agree with it, but it's true. This is what the Bible teaches. John chapter 15, what Jesus said. He said, I am the true great. This is verse one. I'm the true grapevine. My father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit. So they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message. Look at this, by the message I've given you. So he says, if you remain in him, this is what it will cost. He will constantly prune you so that you can produce more fruit. So this is a message that the Bible teaches. Proverbs 4, 18 says, the way of the righteous shines brighter and brighter to the full light of day. So what Christ is saying is that if you remain in him, your life will constantly go from one level of level of glory to another. Your life will constantly be increased. You'll constantly be like a tree. The picture is given that's being pruned and you're more fruitful and more fruitful and more fruitful and more fruitful. And so here's the question then. He said, this is all contingent upon remain, if, if you remain in me. So how do we remain in him? Look what he says. Verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you can ask me for anything you want and it will be granted. So Jesus is literally saying, we can put all of those things together. By remaining in his word, you remain in him. And when you remain in him, you will be like a tree that constantly produces more and more and more and more fruit in your life. And he actually repeats himself in verse 10. When you obey my commands, you remain in my, you remain in my love. So you have the same message. That's the old covenant. Jesus just said the same thing. When you obey my commands. People don't like that word command. But it's in the Bible. So get this in your spirit today for all of our listeners and people that listen back. Obedience. The Bible teaches us that obedience produces prosperity. Let's kind of talk about that subject. Henry, do you have anything you want to add or testimony, anything that you can say to that? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I have some teaching points. Um, so I, I, I think I think it's just to sum all that up because it was a lot. Um there is no shortcut to prosperity. Obedience is the only way. And so if you're taking notes or you're writing these things down, I want to encourage you to write that down 
I want you to write down, there is no sh- shortcut to prosperity. Obedience is the only way. There's no get-rich-quick t- schemes in the kingdom of heaven. Obedience no. is the only way. And so I say that, and one of the scriptures that I do want to read is because it's you read Deuteronomy 28, but also it comes over here in Deuteronomy 30 once again and says, and you shall, says this, it says, and you shall again obey the Lord and observe all his commandments, which I command you today. And then this is what happens when you obey his commandments. The Lord your God will prosper you abundantly in all the work of your hand, in the offspring of your body, and in the offspring of your cattle, and in the produce of the ground. For the Lord will again rejoice over you for good, just as he rejoiced over your fathers. And so as, Psalm, as, that, as this verse says, as Deuteronomy 28 says, and as most importantly, Psalms 1 says, your, pro- your promotion, your prosperity, your wealth is not dependent on the economy. It's not dependent on your skin color. It's not dependent on how many years of experience you have in the job that you're at. It's completely and solely dependent on your obedience to God. Every time when That's- you're obedient to God, God prospers you. Period. And so here's what I want you to do, because I'm big on speaking things out, man. If you're watching this or you're listening to this broadcast today and you and, and, and this is a truth that you want, you want to be prosperous. I want you to say this out of, my, out of your mouth. I want you to say it doesn't matter what's going on around me. It doesn't matter what the economy looks like. And it doesn't matter what color my skin is. If my postured heart is postured towards obedience to God, I will be blessed, period. I think I lost Pastor John. I think I preached him right out of the room. No, you're good, bro. Keep going. Okay. And so I, I just want to, just for a second, I want to, I, I just want to correct and rebuke these demon spirits that have pressed the minds of Christians that it's not, you know, you know, God, God chooses some people to be prosperous for his glory, but not everybody. That is baloney. The Bible tells us that God is no respecter of person. The only person that he's a respecter of is a person that's willing to be obedient. If you're obedient to God, you will be blessed. You will be blessed in your bank account. You'll be blessed in your health. You'll be blessed in your, in, in, in your family. Your offspring will be blessed. Any and everything that is a part of who you are, if you're obedient to the Lord, you will be blessed, period. Pastor John, you mentioned how people don't like the word command. The way people believe about Christianity, there's there's no room for commands. I mean, the way the way most people believe Christianity works, that they can basically do what they want, and if you know if it doesn't line up with what God wants, then God will forgive them. So commands, you're right. People don't people don't like the word command at all. But their belief system doesn't even have room for commands. I mean, it's it's incredible. No, you're absolutely right, Ooh. man. It doesn't. Exactly, it doesn't. People don't like that word command. They don't like because it means that we're accountable to something, and that and that's actually the opposite of what culture will tell you right now. And and that, and that kind of Christianity doesn't work. I mean, seriously, I know that people preach that message because they know that they think that's what people want to hear is like, you know, you just do what you want and however you feel, that's what you need to do. 
and it doesn't matter because there's its grace and you know you just do well, your the best. bible the bible refutes and rebukes the mess out of that mindset because you know there there's there's for, there's this humongous movement of this you know the once saved always saved thing is sweeping the country right now you know that once you accept Jesus Christ into your heart that you are sealed for eternity this is what the bible says my friend if you if there's someone on here that believes that i want to tell you the Bible says this, remain in me, and then I'll remain in you. But if you don't remain in me, then he won't remain in you. Absolutely. I mean, even the once saved, always saved, man. There's so many ways we could debunk that. Uh, and I know a lot of people believe that, but there are several parables. For instance, Jesus taught about the fig tree. You know, the, there was a tree that was in the garden, and it wasn't producing fruit. And so, basically the guy that was tending the tree in the parable kept going back to the one that owned the garden and said, give it one more year, give it one more year, give it one more year. And on the third year, they said, if, if it's still not producing fruit, you know, it will be cut out. It will be chopped down. And there's several different applications of that. But one of the applications that Jesus was actually referring to was the, the people of Israel being God's sole covenant people was that that was a picture of what had happened all throughout the Old Testament. God making his appeal, sending a prophet, sending somebody to come and deliver this message. Hey, repent. You guys aren't doing this right. You've, you've taken another gods. You've went in another direction. You need to repent and get right with the Lord. And they kept coming. The Lord kept coming back, looking at this tree, looking at this tree, looking at this tree. And it was not producing fruit. And so what do you actually see happen? I'm saying historically... And I'm trying to make this Christianity 101 for dummies as simple as I can. But historically, Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. If you look at a historical fact, the temple, think about people don't understand the significance. In the year 70 AD, this was 40 years approximately after Jesus Christ uh, was, did his ministry on the earth and died, was crucified and went to heaven. They came, the Romans came and completely destroyed the city and destroyed the temple. Not one stone was left on top of the other. And so they don't under this, understand the significance was literally without their temple, their, their religion was done away. With. They needed that temple in order to offer sacrifices because there was no other place that was qualified for the, for the offering of the blood sacrifice to, you know, for their sins to be appeased. And so basically without that temple, they, they had no connection. They had no right standing with God. And so literally old covenant Judaism was destroyed in 70 AD. And so to sit here and say, and, and this is what's so funny as well. Even Paul taught about this. You know, Paul taught about Sodom and Gomorrah. And he said, all of these things happen to be a warning for us. And in fact, he said, in the book of Romans, if you don't think God would spare even his own people, right? Because the Bible talks about how, you know, originally this was just a covenant between God and his people, Israel, and the Gentiles got brought into this thing. And so there's this whole debate that's happening in the beginning of the book of Romans, where the, the Jews are like, hey, we're God's people. The Gentiles are like, hey, screw you guys. We're God's people. And then Paul rebukes the Jews and says, look, you guys act like you already have it, but you don't. And you Gentiles, you better watch out because, you know, they were engaging in homosexuality, all these crazy things. And 
Paul makes this statement. He says, if he would not spare the original olive branch, what makes you think that he wouldn't, that he'll spare you? If he would chop off his own branch that was a part of the original tree, what makes you have this cockiness and arrogance that God won't cut you out? And so, I mean, that's just one example of the many of this once saved, always saved. It's completely bull poop. It's not true. Even reading the book of Revelation, literally Christ is making an appeal to the churches. If you don't return, if you don't love me like you did in the beginning, go back, do the works you did in the beginning. I will remove your lampstand from among its place. So it's like, how can people read that? They had a lampstand. They were saved. He wasn't saying you weren't saved. He's saying they were saved. They did have a place. But if they continued down the path that they were going on, that they would be removed and they would not be acknowledged. So, yeah, that's that's a totally... We could debunk that a thousand ways. The Bible does not teach that once you're saved, you're always saved. Now, I will say this. The Bible teaches that it should be that way. There's no doubt about that. The Bible teaches that here's this crazy thought that's a fundamental of Christianity. It's called repentance. So the reason people get confused about this subject is because the Bible... Jesus never pictured a Christian that wasn't born again and dead to themselves and now alive, you know, no longer living, but now Christ's spirit living through them. He never pictured Christianity any other way. So when you put it in that context, every person who gets saved is supposed to be a person who has repented, who has denied themselves who has died to their old self and put on Christ like putting on new clothes and who no longer lives, but Christ lives in them. Now, any person that that lives that way, obviously is going to, you know, they're not going to fall away. So that's where you have this. You read the Bible's idea of what a Christian is. And, but you can't take that and then, look at how people are applying it nowadays and say, oh, well, because the Bible paints this picture where, you know, you get saved once, you're saved forever. No, that's not true. Hopefully that made sense. We got another. Will Jesus make me rich? I pray to God he does every day. Well, hallelujah. (laughs) if If you missed the first part of our podcast, we can tell you exactly how. And it's not our own, you know not our own method. It's not our you know, ingredients. It's the Bible's ingredients. Let me just minister this one verse to you real quick, my sister. My B from Brooklyn, I think that's her name. <laughs> yeah. Look at this, Ephesians 1. You say you pray that God will, will Jesus make me rich. You pray that, that he will every day. Well, I want to kind of show you something. The Bible says, Ephesians 1, 3, it says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. So I want you to think about this if you're listening still. God, God, think about it like this. If I were to go into a grocery store and I spent 200 bucks and I got a ton of groceries and I called you, And I said, look, I purchased all of these groceries for you. All you have to do is go and pick them up. You know, this is this is where you got to 
get out of this mindset. A lot of people, they're going to the grocery store and they're standing there and they're like, look, they're trying to pay for the groceries. What do I need to do to get these groceries? And they don't understand the guy sitting there saying, you don't understand. They've already been paid for. You just need to grab a hold of them and go out the door. So you need to shift your mindset of you pray for God to make you rich every day and understand he's poured out that provision in Christ Jesus. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you become a brand new creation, born again, full of the power of the Holy Ghost, no longer a slave to this this world and a slave to the system of this world. So if you give your life to Jesus, that's step one. If you haven't done that, you can pray all day long. God, make me rich. Make me rich. It will never happen. I want to tell you, and I'm not saying you're a fool, but God's a good God. The same way that I would not put a loaded 45 in the hand of my two-year-old daughter, God's not going to, God is not going to put wealth in the hand of a wicked man or a wicked woman, a person that's not born again if that makes sense to you. So the number one thing that you have to do is repent and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And once you do that, live from the understanding that when you receive Christ, you receive everything that you needed in that moment to prosper for the rest of your life. Now it's just a matter of accessing it, walking in it, and obtaining it. But it's already been given to you, and that's what Ephesians one, three says. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, bro. Bro, this is going to be way too long to do one continuous because we we like we could still keep talking on point one for, for a minute. Oh, yeah. I would say we can break this up into more. I'm probably actually later on today probably going to or maybe tonight I'm going to sit down and do a whole broadcast on Deuteronomy 28. It's just, cool. there's so much, man. There's just so much to unpack, so much to explore, so much to convey. Dude, yeah, I think yeah, so. We could sit here for four days in a row and talk well, and about I'm, it. Well, I'm going to. I want to get the content out to people. But, yeah, uh, yeah, me too. Maybe just for today, we'll just stick with this one point. Irrefutable, irrefutable fact from the Bible when you obey the scripture, the scripture says the byproduct of obeying it is you will prosper in life and everything that you do. Amen. Amen, so guys. I, so I guess go ahead. I, I mean, I just want to say this one more time. I know it's only Aaron on here or if someone else happens to be viewing it, it just doesn't show you. I want you to get this in your spirit. I mean, because it's in my spirit and it's bubbling. Um, you, you know, what what goes on, this is what Evangelist Ted says, it doesn't have to be well around you to be well within you. That's what Psalms 1 verse 3 proves. It says if you abide, if you, if you stay in his word and keep his commandments, he'll make you a tree planted by the riverbank. Other, verse, other versions say you'll be like a tree planted by streams of water. That means that it doesn't matter what season it is. It doesn't matter who's president. It doesn't matter. Nothing that's going on around you matters. You will be prosperous. And so I just want you to wake up every day for the, the rest of this week or for the, for the entirety of next week since it's already Saturday. Look yourself in the mirror and say, because I belong to God and I keep his commandments, if that's true, I am blessed and I will prosper. Right. And so 
to tie this all up together, this isn't something like, here's the difference between what we're telling you and what like Oprah Winfrey will tell you, right? We're not just giving you self-help tips, make these small changes and, and you'll live a better you, a better life. No, like there's only one way. This, so every scripture that we read you, that was a part of the covenant that God made with his people. If you have not received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're not in covenant with God. So mm -hmm. as I shared with, with the lady that commented a moment ago, it doesn't matter how much, man, if you pray, will God hear a prayer? You know, if I were to, let me just say this. If I were to be in prison and I messed up, I did something really bad, and I cried out to, to, to the Lord, and I begged him to help me, and he helped me, okay? He did that out of mercy. It, it, there's a difference between mercy, though, and a covenant that you've been brought into. Whenever I, and, and I understand that we've been brought into this covenant by mercy and by his grace, it's, it's not something that we've earned ourselves. It's because he's so amazing. He made a way for us to enter into this contract or covenant with him, this blood covenant. But when you're in a covenant, you don't have to just wait and hope that God shows you mercy. There are things that are entitled to you. It's a contract that God has sealed with the blood of Jesus Christ. That because you are a, a member of this covenant, these are the benefits that are, that are added to you, that belong to you. And when you get that, man, you never have to pray for God to bless you every day. Lord, please bless me every day. What are you talking about? You're, it already belongs to you. Why don't you believe it, walk in it, receive it, grab it, take hold of it, begin to put it to work in your life. Lord, I'm, I, I pray that you bless me. That's stupid to pray that when you're in covenant with God because he's already given you the full blessing. He's given us every spiritual blessing in heavenly realms. But to say all that, I, I said all that to say this, you have to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior first. You don't Amen. get to walk in this without Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior. There's one way. There's only one way. And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So I want to tell you, if you're listening to this back, there's not a hundred ways to heaven. There's not your truth, my truth. Look, there's only one way, and that's by the Lord Jesus Christ, putting your faith in him. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 through 10, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so we want to help you, Tanner, if you will. Show them a confession of faith that they can make that will allow them to enter into this covenant with God. Hallelujah. Well, here's what the Bible says before we make this declaration together. It says that all that you have to do to be saved is confess with your mouth and believe your heart in your heart that Jesus is Lord. So that's two things that you have to do. First of all, you have to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. And secondly, you have to confess it with your mouth that you, he is your Lord. So if you will, you're on this broadcast or you're watching it back, I want you to bow your head with me and lift your hands up wherever you're at. And I want you to just repeat after me. I want you to say, Lord, I thank you so much for what you did for me on the cross. Thank you for dying for my sins and providing me a way out of my bondage to the devil. 
I turn from my wicked ways and I repent from my sins and I'm running full force, full speed to you. From this point on, from now until forever, you are the Lord of my life and I am your son or daughter. And it's in Jesus' name, amen. Now I want you to say this. I want you to say, I am saved and there's nothing the devil can do about it. Hallelujah. Amen. I am saved and there's nothing the devil can do about it. Hallelujah. Well, guys, awesome. We'll, we'll, we'll get it back on here soon and we'll do the other parts. Irrefutable proofs. Jesus, God's will for you is to prosper in all things. And that means financially. And Amen. so we appreciate you guys listening to this. We'll see you soon. See you later. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for tuning in with me as I shared the Word of God. If you would like to become more than just a casual listener and want to give to our ministry, you can do so in the following ways. For credit or debit, go to www.nbchuntington.org donate. For PayPal, you can send it to NBC Huntington. For Cash App, use dollar sign capital NBCHTX20. Thank you so much. I pray God blesses you abundantly. Until next time, this is John Wallace.